On this edition of the Marcus Welsh Show, we're accelerating towards the biggest game in sports and more as we talk Super Bowl picks, college hoops, NBA All-Star honors, MLB springing into the season, plus a local hoops update from the Low Country. All this and more is on the Marcus Welsh Show, starting right now. Clear the mechanism. South Carolina high school sports can have 100 games on any given night, and that's 500 officials. Make the right call. Become a high school official. Be the difference maker in your community that your community needs. Visit highschoolofficials.com for more information. Welcome in and thanks for joining us on this edition of the Marcus Walsh Show from the Batcave, home of one Kevin Libby. Kevin will join me here in just a bit. I, of course, am Marcus Walsh. And uh, again, welcome aboard. It is a chilly but very nice and sunny day here in the Low Country, and we've got a lot to get to. Going to start off with I, I tell you what, I want to start off talking a little bit, and Kevin and I will get more into it. But I want to start off talking about NFL Championship Weekend because the games that are coming up this weekend have a chance to be absolutely epic. We've got a couple of great matchups that you'll see tomorrow on Fox at 3 o'clock and then on CBS at 6.30. This could be the best championship weekend that we've seen in the NFL in quite some time, and that's saying something because we've seen some great ones. Courtesy of ESPN.com. Philadelphia is favored by two and a half over San Francisco. The Eagles take on the Niners in Philadelphia. Philadelphia comes in 14 and three, and the San Francisco 49ers come in at 13 and four. And I think that this has a chance to be a great game. You've got a couple of definite X factor players, certainly on both sides of the ball for both teams. But I'm going to focus really on the offenses, and and I will reveal my picks uh, with Kevin here shortly. But you look at Philadelphia, you've got Jalen Hurts, who has battled some injuries, and he looked very good against the New York Giants last week. You have a very good, durable running game. It's not quite the running game that it was a few years ago, but it's very good and very durable. You have Dallas Goddard, who is having a very, very good year at tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you've got A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown, to me, is in, if not the first tier, like the second tier of tremendous wide receivers. He can just make plays. And he is just tremendous. Um, The offensive line is very good led by Lane Johnson, and certainly one, uh, I was about ready to say Travis Kelsey, but it's actually Jason Kelsey, Travis's brother, who is the center of the team and just an absolute leader. And I tell you, what a job. What a job that this coaching staff, Nick Sirianni and company, have done with this Philadelphia Eagles team I didn't know a whole lot, of course, about Nick Sirianni leading in and and formerly going back to the other years 
where Philadelphia was really good. They were led by Doug Peterson. And so from the offensive standpoint, this team's got a lot of really good stars, really good talent, and they play really good defense. This is a team that back in the day under Jim Johnson was known for their defense, and they really uh, were very proud of that, certainly under Andy Reid as well, and I'm talking about the Donovan McNabb years, uh, Brian Westbrook, all those other guys that played for Philadelphia, Terrell Owens as as well, and of course uh, was with the Eagles as well. And so they do things a little bit differently, but they are just really, really good. The one, the one key factor for the San Francisco 49ers to me is certainly how does Christian McCaffrey do. And Christian McCaffrey going from Carolina to San Francisco, I said this right when the trade happened. I said that could be a move that gets San Francisco to the Super Bowl. I said, I don't know if it's going to happen, but it very well could. And what do you know? They're in the Final Four. Um so he's going to be big, but Brock Purdy, for a young guy that has not had a whole lot of experience, let alone he was Mr. Irrelevant in uh, this past year's draft, he is coming out and he is absolutely firing on all cylinders, just a workhorse. He's got a lot of faith behind him. Um, Kevin and I talked a little bit about that in the guys broadcast of the uh, Buford High School, Battery Creek High School doubleheader that we had last night. And uh, we'll get more into that as well later on in the show. Um, but there's certainly a lot to that as well. So, you know, you look at those two guys, and then certainly you can't forget about, uh, for San Francisco um, and his name, I was, I was on such a roll, um, you cannot forget about the receiver for San Francisco, whose name is escaping me at the moment. And I'll find it. Um, but they, they, have, they have players, too. Um, Samuel, Debo Samuel. I, I didn't even have to fully look it up. Debo Samuel is ter- terrific as well and a key cog in this offense. Oh, by the way. Going up, and of course they won't be on the same. Uh, they won't be on the field at the same time. Going up against Dallas Goddard in the tight end position. Don't forget about George Kittle, because George Kittle is a playmaker. He's a baller. He's he's a mauler. He's just really good. And certainly too, Robbie Gold gives uh, San Francisco a little bit of an advantage as well. I think these teams really kind of mirror each other. San Francisco was a team, too, that at times did things back in the day with defense, um, coached by Steve Mariucci and, and whatnot. So, you know, I think this game has a chance to be really close. I will leave my pick for these games until later on in the show when I'm talking with Kev about them. Um, then I want to go on the other side and talk about the AFC Championship game, which is the rematch from a year ago, and it's the Bengals at the Chiefs. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. This this Bengals team, led primarily, in my opinion, by Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, 
is just on fire. They come in at 12-4. and four. They are one-and-a-half-point underdogs. Again, Philadelphia, two-and-a-half-point favorites over San Francisco. And they just absolutely annihilated, obliterated, and made the Buffalo Bills, who I had picked to go to the Super Bowl preseason, they just absolutely made Buffalo look not like the Buffalo Bills. And that game was in Buffalo, mind you. It was snowing, and Buffalo just looked... I don't want to say that they were overhyped and over... Um, not necessarily overconfident, but that there was so much enthusiasm and all of that because of the DeMar Hamlin situation and the fact that he was there and everything. But things just didn't work out for Buffalo pretty much from the get-go. Um, it kind of reminds me in a little bit of an elk of the Denver Broncos-Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl from years ago where there was the safety on the first play of the game. I think it was the first play. And Seattle's up 2-0, and you just think, oh boy, here we go. This could get ugly quickly, and it sure did. Um, it was just not a good not a good day, and it was the worst day to have a bad day for the Buffalo Bills. They got absolutely destroyed Um not taking anything away since I've been talking about Buffalo from the performance of Can- uh, from, of Cincinnati because Cincinnati was terrific. And again, led by Joe Burrow, who has been an underdog and counted out and had so many huge moments in his career so many times. And he's come through with flying colors. This Bengals team is one of the best in the NFL, as are the Eagles, as are the 49ers. And then you have the Kansas City Chiefs, who, first off, great job, tremendous job by the entire team last week. The second quarter, in particularly, a tremendous, tremendous job by that offense. And I tell you what, Chad Henney, he's 37 years old. You think of his days at Michigan. Huge plays. You think of him playing with guys like Mike Hart and certainly uh, Mario Manningham. Manningham, got it! Touchdown! Michigan wins! That's uh, kind of my Brad Nessler call from the Penn State game of 2005. I'm not in perfect voice to give an actual call of that, but um tell you what, you, you think of those days and you think of those games, and he came through with absolutely flying colors. And his performance yesterday, uh, his performance last week, I beg your pardon, was definitely vintage. And I tell you what, it really kept that team afloat. And then Patrick Mahomes comes back. And that injury that he suffered last week, he's really fortunate that it wasn't anything more than a high ankle sprain. I tell you what, I've had a high ankle sprain before, and mine was actually quite high where I was hobbling around for a couple of months. Uh, and again, I even back then, I wasn't in the shape that Patrick Mahomes is, and I, I still am not. But my point is, ankle sprains are tough, and especially if you get high ones, they're, they're very tough. They can be debilitating. But Patrick Mahomes came out, he grinded out that win with the rest of his team and did what they had to do. You talk about stars, and I mentioned some of them with the other three previous teams. 
But you look at Patrick Mahomes. You look at the running game. It's very much kind of by committee. It's not quite as good as it used to be. And then you've got Travis Kelsey. And you've got a couple other guys, receivers that are great. Um, And these teams, all four of these teams, kind of mirror each other, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Clearly, the biggest key for Kansas City is the health of Patrick Mahomes. They caught Buffalo on a bad day, and they were able to win on a bad day for Buffalo, and despite them not having the quarterback for a period of uh, of about a quarter. I tell you what, they try that, and if something goes wrong against Cincinnati, Cincinnati could very well be playing in back-to-back Super Bowls. If it just happens that this does happen, I'll go back to what I talked about last year. May have even mentioned it earlier this year, too. Kansas, uh, Cincinnati and San Francisco played twice in the Super Bowl in the 80s. It could happen again. They played in the 81 season and the 88 season in the Super Bowl, and it could happen again. But we could see a combination of any, any of these teams in the Super Bowl. It's really fun. I've got my picks laid out. Kevin has his as well. I talked to him about this yesterday. So we've got our picks for the game. We'll get those for you later. But I really just wanted to break that down a little bit for you all. And uh, I'll get Kevin's take on it as well here shortly. So that's the, uh, the NFL teaser and whatnot. A lot of really good college basketball as well. We'll talk more top 25 coming up. But Duke has really kind of been struggling. They lost to Virginia Tech. Um, Kansas is is playing well. They lost to Baylor both games last Monday night. Got Duke taking on UNC uh, next Saturday. And you've got some huge matchups, huge matchups today in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. <coughs> <coughs> I apologize. I tried to wait long before I actually did that. Um, Got some huge matchups in the SEC Big 12 Challenge between Kansas and Kentucky, Texas and Tennessee, and those are really, really going to be fun games to watch. Dick Vitale and company will have the Texas-Tennessee game, and then Dan Schulman, Jay Billis, Holly Rowe will have the matchup between Kansas and Kentucky, and... Things are definitely looking very interesting. As you recall, in the last edition of the Marcus Walsh Show that we had for you, I picked my final four. I'll give you a bracket update as well from Joe Lenardi, a bracketology update. I picked my final four just kind of on a whim because I promised that I would have it for you for that. I had Kansas, Gonzaga, Virginia, Purdue. I already am not feeling super confident. And again, it's a very fluid situation. It's like, Anything you know, you you make your picks for the final four in uh, in football, and then you you react to it, and pretty soon it'll be final twelve because the college football playoff, as we know, is moving to twelve teams. So, you know, you react to the fluidity of situations as they occur, and I could tell you again, it was just three weeks ago that we did our last edition of this show, <clears throat> and I'm not super confident. In Kansas, 
uh, Virginia, Purdue, and Gonzaga making the Final Four. And they're all four tremendous, tremendous basketball teams. But you've got Houston, and you've got Michigan State that continues to play really well. And I don't think that Duke quite has it in them to make the run to the Final Four that they had last year. And remember, they took on North Carolina, who it was the first time that they ever played in the uh, road to the Final Four, let alone in the Final Four. And again, oh, by the way, their first matchup of this season is next week already. Hard to believe. I shocked myself when I saw that earlier today. Um, but it's it's coming up. So there's really a lot to to look into that and, and get excited about. Um, Texas A&M and Alabama look... Uh, Look pretty good. Alabama's another one that I, I mentioned the teams that I didn't mention in my Final Four. When you talk about, you know, Kansas State, they're another one. They're having a great season. You talk about Michigan State and a bunch of other teams. Alabama, uh, Houston, it's up top there. Alabama, and I haven't seen much of Alabama, but Alabama this year could be the best team in the country. They just know how to get it done and they've been terrific uh it's it's going to be really fun and we'll break it down more as we talk about the top 25 here in just a little bit um going to be really interesting to see how things go i'm going to ask kevin about the uh the situation with andy reed and uh i'm of course talking about the legendary head coach of the philadelphia eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, he has hit a monumental uh, milestone in his career and done a great job doing it. Going to break that down with him, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, I think later in the show, I'm going to talk about a very special experience that I was able to be a part of earlier this week, and uh, I think I want Kevin around for that as we uh, talk a whole lot more about the goings-on of life and sports. The Marcus Walsh Show continues our next segment. We're going to talk our championship picks, talk a little bit about Andy Reid, and a whole lot more, and all the different sports that are going on around the world, including that Low Country Hoops report that we'll have based off some of the action that we've seen in the Low Country on WHHI Sports TV. It's all coming up straight ahead, but first you'll hear this only on the Marcus Wall Show. Kevin joins me here from the Batcave next. The music you hear on the Marcus Wall Show is provided courtesy of TBMM Productions, Tyler Brown Multimedia, for all things low country. Dial 843-715-1935. Back to the show. Welcome back into the Marcus Wall Show here from the Batcave. Floink. Splunk. Kaboomy. Onomatopoeia. All of that great humor. Uh, Marcus Walsh, Kevin Libby here with you. Kevin, tell you what, it's been a been a fun couple of days for uh, you and I back-to-back. We'll talk to high school hoops here in a little bit, but... Uh, how are you on this fine Saturday? I'm great, my friend. I mean, last night, hoop dreams really do come true. And, uh, you know, we, we I slept in, and here we are doing it all over again, Marcus. I love hanging out. I uh, 
I slept in as well. Got up just before the crack of 9 o'clock in the morning. And uh, tell you what, yeah, last night was great. We'll talk more high school hoops, as I mentioned, here shortly. But first, want to get your breakdown. I broke down the uh, the four teams kind of heavily. So I want to get your breakdown on uh, a little bit, certainly, of what we saw last week. Certainly, I didn't mention this, but Philadelphia obliterated the New York Giants. And Kansas City, with, uh, with a huge, huge win in their game, as I talked about, the Patrick Mahomes injury and whatnot. And uh, San Francisco, you know, did the same thing in their ball game, playing a really tight game against Dallas, which I saw very, very little of just the last couple of minutes. Oh, while I mention that, did you see the last play of that game? The San Francisco-Dallas game? As they say in Germany, nine. Shout out to uh, to one of my best friends and uh, certainly a a friend of yours in in the making over the last about year, Matt Brubaker. He always says nine. Um, he also has a a German and Polish background. Uh, I don't know what. And, and Dallas had a very good year, and I understand that Dak Prescott, you know, he was hurt. And there were struggles, and a lot of the times, Dallas on paper should win the Super Bowl every year because I think they have a lot of talent that is that good. But there's a reason that we say on paper they should because in the big men, in the big moments and whatnot, more times than not, they just they don't have it. Ezekiel Elliott, tremendous runner of the football, very athletic. When he plays, um, I should say when he's dependable and reliable, a.k.a. when he's healthy, one of the best players on offense, in my opinion, that you could find. I think he can even catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. This play, which if it didn't end the game, it doggone well near-ended the football game, was him... I wouldn't even say so much that he was at the center position, but it was some sort of trickeration where he was spiking the football to Dak Prescott. You can probably guess in about half a second what happened next. What happened next? He landed flat on his you-know-what on the dirt, on the, on the ground, being mauled by a defensive lineman. Why? Why? This makes no sense. It was just absolutely horrible. And it had Stephen A. Smith laughing until the cows come home. Yeah. Didn't see the play. Sounds like the mentality was absent from Dallas. <clears throat> it's been pretty consistent. They usually blame the coach. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, he's for real. You know, he's a lot of fun. I love Alabama quarterbacks. Um, I think the Niners are going to be especially interesting 
because of the defense. I think those are fun in cold-weather situations. I don't know, Marcus. It's pretty wide open. There's good quarterback play. There's good defenses. Um, I think the best personality in the thing is Bill Burrow. He's probably the most fun to chase around. That would be Joe. I'm sorry. My boss is named Bill Burrow. I got all these little – I'm sure it was Freudian. Um, you you got to mention, too, the wide receivers and the skill players and some of the tight ends that are in these games, as I mentioned as well. You've got just great tight ends. A lot of people forget with, with the likes of a Travis Kelsey and a Dallas Goddard. A lot of people forget – about a really good tight end that plays for the San Francisco 49ers by the name of George Kittle. Junior. He's easily forgotten out of out of those matchups. Any, anything else? And I mentioned Robbie Gold being a big key for San Francisco as well in the special teams game. I think he's the best kicker out of the bunch with those teams. Anything else that really catches your eye uh, in, in terms of those matchups? I don't ever like to predict these things. I'm the guy that predicted the Ravens to the Super Bowl. I will say that I'll watch it. It'll be fun, national TV. And the greatest thing about football is with excellent quarterback play, there's really no such thing as being down too deep. You know, If we learned anything from 80 for Brady, it's the 28-3. to With the right quarterback, even that can be uh, resurrected. It's going to be fun. Playoff weekend. Let's do it. we got two weeks off after that. Then we get one more game. It's the biggest game in sport. Here we go. Well, I'm going to ask you to give a pick anyway for your Super Bowl prediction as it stands with the Final Four. I'm going to give mine first. I would love to see Kansas City, and I forgot about this, but I'm going to mention it in a second if it happens. I would love to see Kansas City and Philadelphia go up against each other. It would be the first time that you had brothers playing together in the Super Bowl, too bad they are not on the field at the same time. Jason Kelsey, the center for the Philadelphia Eagles. Travis Kelsey, the starting tight end for the San, uh, for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And both tremendous, tremendous athletes. We're going to talk about Andy Reid in a second. He is the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles. And he's been tremendous in both places. I think while because of the history of the Bengals Niners in Super Bowls back in the 80s, they met twice, I would also love to see that matchup. But I think this matchup is just perfect. And, and these two teams with the running style quarterbacks and, and whatnot, it just seems like it fits. And I'm, I'm one of those guys that, that believes in all of that. So I'm going to go Kansas City and Philly for the Super Bowl. They are the two favorites in tomorrow's matchups. You're a baseball guy. Do you know what Aaron Nola's brother's name is? The baseballer? Austin. So Aaron Nola's been pitching for almost a decade. Probably, I mean, including his... I mean, he might be in this, in this league more than 10 years. Um, he's thrown the ball, I think, over 98 miles an hour like five times in his career. Three of them were when he faced Austin. 
So the brother matchup is super fun. I wish they were on the same side of the field, too. Um, it's not like we're going to see the Boses going at it, necessarily. Uh, it's like with Joey out of the Niners, who's, who's still in it. Um, remember the McCourty twins? They were fun. Jason and Devin, right? Yeah, yeah. Devin just retired. Now he's on TV. There you go. Great career. Uh, yeah, my picks. Let's go with the Birds, because Philly's a great sports town. Let's do it. I like the song after they score touchdowns. How, how can you not support that, Marcus? So you've got – and I didn't give a winner, but you've got Philadelphia winning the Super Bowl. That's, that's what you were saying? That's my feel-good pick. I mean, the Niners uh, are really good. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Let's, let's get some more Marcus. So who, who do you have Philadelphia playing? I happen to know this because you revealed it to me yesterday. I, can I go Chiefs? Well, you went Bengals with me yesterday. Because it's the feel-good pick. I like Joe Burrow better, and he's who I want to root for. But Pat Mahomes, if I'm betting money, is the MVP uh, of the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl winner. But I think to bet that in the old Vegas there, you're probably going to lose money to win money. That is to say you'll have to bet below. the. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I feel like he's the odds-on favorite. You with me, kid? I'm... First off, I'm only a couple years younger than you. <laughs> Listen up, young man. <laughs> so... I gotta. I I don't want to call you out for hedging your bet because I've kind of done it too from time to time. I need a final answer out. I need a final answer out of you. Who do you like of the AFC? Okay, Reach. If I'm betting dollars of money, which I'm not, I'm going with KC. What I'm gonna do is watch the game and cheer for the quarterback of the Ohio State University, who went by way of the Bayou. LSU. Ooh, no one from the bio is going to like the way I said that. I don't like the way I said that. Take that, rewind it back. But uh, Bill Burrow, Joe Burrow, <laughs> it's going to be just fine. Hi, Bill. Good to see you, boss. Uh, but seriously, though, um, I think he's the storyline that's more fun to follow. So that's what I'll cheer for, but I don't expect it. Okay, so it sounds like we are on the same page and that we are both going... Kansas City, Philadelphia. You like the Philadelphia Eagles to get the job done. It sounds like you're rooting for Cincinnati, which is what you gave me yesterday, Bengals-Eagles. I think any of the four matchups would be fascinating to watch, in all honesty. I have not picked a winner yet. I mean, Fly Eagles Fly is a great song. But what it if, certainly is. What if KC can come up with a song between now and the Super Bowl? Well, they technically have one. It's the Florida State, Atlanta Brave, Tomahawk Chop. No, I'm saying like a new hit track. I, 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 know, I know what you're referring to, but I'm, I'm letting folks know that possibly don't know. That's, that's their anthem, the Kansas City Chiefs of... Oh, but can't they get like? Oh, does KC? I mean, they're not that far from St. Louis. Can they get their version of Drake? Nothing like a little barbecue and, uh, let's see, barbecue and everything being up to date. With gosh, this is so hard. 
I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs over the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. You you convinced me. I, I'm going KC over Philly, and from a professional standpoint, you're going Philly over KC while rooting for Cincinnati. Honestly, I don't have a horse in the race. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl regardless of who's playing in it, and I'm going to enjoy it. But my broadcaster prognosticational pick is Kansas City over Philadelphia in Super Bowl 57. So the kids over at the sports book called FanDuel more or less agree. I'm taking chalk by going with the Eagles over the Chiefs. Marcus going KC over Eagles is uh, your number two most likely outcome. Bengals at plus 290 are the third most likely team. And no one believes in that Mr. Irrelevant kid in San Francisco. Perhaps Tom Brady's next destination. Who knows? You know what I think about Tom Brady's next destination. I think it's home with the kids as as much as whatever can if be the he, case. If he knew what he was going to do, he would have told us. It's true. It's very true. Um, so there you have it. That's, that's the... Uh, that's the way things look for the NFL picks for both of us and a little analysis. Pardon me from Kevin. So next on the docket, <clears throat> Andy Reid. He has won 10 playoff games for two franchises, aforementioned Kansas City or the aforementioned Philadelphia Eagles where he coached first and now Kansas City. Hard to believe that he has won 10 playoff games for the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. He did that really, really quickly. Um, what's up? I'm, I'm looking at you like you're crazy because um, look at his quarterbacks. He had Donovan McNabb and Pat Mahomes. That's not crazy. That's like Bill Cowher numbers. We have a great quarterback. Well, yeah, of of course. But it just seems I, I'm saying, I'm alluding to the fact that he won 10 playoff games in Kansas City, it seems like, really, really quickly. Time, Agreed. Time flies. So it's just it's remarkable. And he is tied for second with playoff wins in the history of, uh, of him coaching. And I had that thing up. He's tied with Tom Landry. And the only person that is ahead of both of them was one Bill Belichick, a guy that you're very well familiar with. I've heard of him, yeah. Just a smidge. Um, there, there are a bunch of other guys that are right there, too. Certainly, Chuck Knoll is another one. Oh, by the way, I happened to see a picture of what uh, Mike Tomlin looked like the day that he got hired by the Pittsburgh Steelers back in 2008. Eight, I believe the season was, without looking it up. He had a full head of hair, and he looked completely different, I think, than uh, than the way he looks now. And I just I find it fascinating that he's been with Pittsburgh that long. Again, Pittsburgh has had three coaches in over the last 40 years. We talk about Chuck Knoll, we talk about Bill Cower, and we talk about Mike Tomlin. But Andy Reid... With his ability, you know, to coach and be just tremendous, not only as a head coach, but to work with all the coordinators that he has had. I mentioned in the uh, in my opening monologue about the defenses 
that he had in Philadelphia, let's not forget, Jim Johnson was a masterful, and I mean masterful, defensive coordinator in the NFL for a long time up until his passing. May he rest in peace. And then you look at Sean McDermott. And where was Sean McDermott before he ended up taking the over as head coach of the Buffalo Bills? Eh, he took over for Jim Johnson in Philadelphia and did as well, if not, dare I say, a little bit better than Jim Johnson did as the D coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's all about the coaching tree. And Andy Reid certainly has his, of which Jim Johnson and Sean McDermott were a part of. And he's worked with a bunch of other great guys. And oh, by the way, let us not forget, I'm getting really animated talking about this. Let's not forget who his defensive coordinator is right now in Kansas City. I'll give you a couple of guesses. You knew, I don't have my phone with me. This feels like I'm naked. Uh, if I was in Kansas City... And the, I mean, they're one of the most watched teams in the NFL. I really feel bad about not knowing this. Um, they still run a 4-3, right? It's a zone. I don't know, Marcus. Give me some hints here. His uh, initials are SS. Think think back in the day, I believe he, he coached the New York Giants as the defensive coordinator. Oh, boy. Not, hmm. so it's not Belichick, the old coordinator of the Giants. It's not Shan Sharp. Because and, and I'm when I say... Pardon me, when I say back in the day, now I'm referring to, like, late 90s, 2000s. It's not Steve Calise, the Calise congressman. It's not a SS reference to the uh, the Germans, specifically Gestapo. Um, it is a Stephen. Stephen from the Stephen, 90s. Stephen goes by Steve. Steve Atwater. He's won two Super Bowls as defensive coordinator, one with the New York Giants, one with the Kansas City Chiefs, making him the only coordinator in offense or defense in NFL history to win a Super Bowl with two different franchises. I'm getting this off of Wikipedia, but I completely believe it. He was with Andy, or he rejoined Andy Reid after being the defensive assistant with him from 99 to 2006 in Philadelphia. I'm talking about one Steve Spagnolo. And it drives me crazy when they when broadcasters call him Steve Spagnola. It's clearly an O at the end of his name. Steve Spagnolo, another coordinator on the defensive side that Andy Reid has worked with over the years, and he's a darn good one. And you take a look at the coach that he dealt with back in the day in the New York Giants organization. One Jim Fossil, who was a fine coach as well. Oh, by the way, his son John also worked with him. Talking about John Fossil. These coaches are just, they're incredible. They're off the chain. They're off the hook. It's playoff time, baby. It's, it's just awesome. It's foosball. The nepotism is real. You know, you see the Shanahan tree and the Andy Reid tree and... Belichick's got his kids out here. And remember Buddy Ryan? Well, there's lots of Ryans out there, and they're fun, too. I know a little bit, certainly, about Buddy Ryan and his great days uh, coaching the Chicago Bears and whatnot. Uh, Steve Spagnolo, oh, by the way, was the defensive back coach at Bowling Green in the great state of Ohio. 
from 1996 to 97. He was a defensive back coach at the University of Maine in 93 and 94. He was the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. He coached at Rutgers. He's coached the Frankfurt Galaxy, the St. Louis Rams, the New Orleans Saints, the Baltimore Ravens, the New York Giants a couple of times. Um, Kansas City Chiefs. I mentioned Philadelphia Eagles. He was in Philadelphia from 99 to 06. He was at the Giants originally from 07-08. Rams after that. Saints after that. Baltimore after that. Giants again from 15 until the end of 17. He was the interim head coach. Defensive coordinator for Philadelphia from uh, Kansas City, rather, from 2019 till now. The man can coach. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever gotten so excited talking about a football coach. Steve Spagnuolo, ever heard of him? Just, just terrific. So, getting back to Andy Reid, and I know we got off topic, but Andy Reid, Hall of Fame, Mount Rushmore type coach, or Hall of Very Good? I know what you're going to go with, and I agree with you, but let's tell the folks anyway. I know, not a lot of uh, contrarian behavior on, by Kevin on this one, especially after those football calls. Um, I think he's a great coach. I think the Eagles were really good back in the day. I think the Chiefs are really good now. I think the coaching is a reflection of the program. They're just really good programs, and Andy Reid seems to be a pretty good leader. And, you know, he coaches up his players. He coaches up his coaches, and their performance levels got them in the playoffs every year. And, again, he has Pat Mahomes. Before that, like, he, he just doesn't have slouch quarterbacks. He knows how to coach them well. It's a nice spread offense where they zone run, and they, if they got the speed receivers on the inside, you can see what, what they can do. The answer, the final answer, did you think you'd get Regis twice in this episode? The final answer is that he's a Hall of Fame caliber head yeah. coach. He's absolutely phenomenal, and I'm going with him. Again, KC over Philly, and uh, and you like Philly over KC. Shout out to Nick Sirianni, as I mentioned his name and did a name drop in the uh, opening monologue because he's done a heck of a job with his team as well. Let's. Uh, do you have anything that you want to add? It's the Super Bowl. It's going to be super duper. Let's go. Super D duper, as Barney used to say. Boy, did you ever think you'd hear a Barney reference in the Marcus Walsh show? Uh, moving on, let's talk a little college basketball, I believe. Indeed we are. And the top 25, as of now, looks like this courtesy of the Associated Press. It is Purdue number one at 19 and one, Alabama at number two at 17 and two, Houston at three, 18 and two, Tennessee at four, 16 and three, Kansas State. Holy smokes, they they've just been great. They ended up beating up Kansas a little bit, and Kansas has fallen on a touch of hard times. Kansas State, 17 and two at five, Arizona, best team in the Pac-12. I actually watched some of their game last week. They are at 17 and 3. Virginia 15 and 3 at 7. UCLA 17 and 3 at 8. Kansas 16 and 3 at 9. Texas 16 and 3 at 10. TCU 15 and 4 at 11. Jamie Dixon doing a heck of a job with the TCU Horn Frogs on the basketball floor. The number 12 team is Iowa State at 14 and 4. Xavier at 16 and 4. My dad watched a little bit of the Xavier Connecticut game the other night. He said Xavier looks really good. Gonzaga, 17-4, a Final Four pick by yours truly. They are 14th 
14th. You don't hear that much about Xavier, and it's still very early in the season. You don't hear that much about Xavier being, uh, rather, Gonzaga being a top 15 team that low. Auburn is 15 at uh, 16 and 3. Marquette is 16th at 16 and 5. Baylor, who knocked off Kansas the other night, 14 and 5 at 17. Charleston, the College of Charleston, raise up. They are at 21 and 1 and 18th in the country in Division I men's college basketball. Pretty awesome. UConn got off to a great start. They have fallen to 19th at 16 and 5. The Miami Hurricanes, 15 and 4 at 20. Florida Atlantic, 19 and 1 at 21. St. Mary's, the Gales, at 18 and 4 and 22. Providence, 15 and 5 at 23. The Clemson Tigers, 16 and 4 at 24. And the New Mexico Lobos, 18 and 2. They are the 25th team in the nation. Duke received 102 votes to get into the top 25. Indiana received 61 to get into the top 25. Kent State received 24 to get into the top 25. North Carolina received 12. Michigan State, 10. Creighton, 9. Illinois, 9. Illinois had a great start to the year. Wisconsin, 6. North Carolina State, 4. They're having a great year. Kentucky, 3. Kentucky, a big surprise team. They and Duke are young and both struggling. Memphis, 1. Boise State, 2. Wake Forest, 1. Oral Roberts, 1. Just to name a plethora of those teams. Rutgers, 31. San Diego State, 57. Still got a long way to go in the college basketball regular season. I'll mention it again, and I know you're not huge on college basketball, Kevin, but first installment of North Carolina and Duke next Saturday night. You got to love the rivalry game. This Saturday night, we got the Lakers and the Celtics on ABC National Broadcasts. These are the fun ones. Uh, what I like about living down here in South Kakalaka is that when the, the rivalry games come out, specifically in collegiate, uh, Duke, North Carolina is the one where everyone gets together, gets some barbecue. Speaking of barbecue, your mom's chili provided for this podcast today is the kind of thing that people um, write sonnets about. It, it was an artist's expression of good chili. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Walsh. Ah. I will refer to my mom by her name, Patrice Marie. Mother dearest, as I like to call her from time to time, you've, you've done it again. Uh, my mom could seriously... If, if she wanted to be a chef, she could be a chef. She is a tremendous cook. And, uh, yeah, the chili, off the hook. Mom, thank you very much. Thanks for all you do. Um, outstanding. Uh, really, really good stuff. So, appreciate the, uh, the comment, Kev. And uh, you're, certainly, you're certainly one of a kind. And I'm glad you had a chance to sit down and chat with my dad a little bit earlier today too yeah man i got to come by the house i call it the throne um your parents have these nice lawn chairs right out in the sunshine because here in kakalaki people have been complaining about the cold but it's been lovely i believe probably in the mid 60s today you know light cloud cover plenty of sunshine i'm probably overestimating maybe 57 i wore a hat anywho um i enjoyed hanging a, a hat and a t-shirt and shorts <laughs> It's a weird combo, but I'm ready. You know, sunshine's warmer than the uh, than the shade. Courtesy of the Weather Channel, 56 feels like 54. High of 59 today. So you're 
Kind of close. In the sun, though, just feels cozy, you know? Absolutely. The sun always helps. Last night was chilly. So, so chilly that you were shivering like a leaf as we were leaving, uh, leaving Beaufort High, heading to BW3s. Oh, by the way, they're boneless wings. Outstanding. Love them. I go with the sweet barbecue or honey barbecue. I had the honey barbecue last night. So good. Yeah, yeah, we, we caught the, the end of the West Coast games. We got to see the Warriors come out and do their thing against, was it Portland they had last night? I can't remember. It was just, they said, oh, it was Raptors. Yeah. They took That's down, right. Yeah, yeah. They, they handled the Raptors pretty easy. You want to go on to NBA? Want to talk all staff? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, you had mentioned the big game tonight between the Lakers and the Celtics. That great rivalry. The Nuggets and Sixers are currently going on. That's right. ABC's got a ton of games today. Um, Nuggets and Sixers currently on ABC. Nuggets lead 50-44 to 44 at the time of this recording. Coming up next, you got the Knicks and the Nets. The Knicks 27-23. The Nets at 29-19. That's 5.30 ABC. And then 8.30 ABC, the game you mentioned, the 23-26 Lakers and the 35-15 Celtics. That's uh, ABC tonight, and uh, you want to talk All Star? You you were filling me in a little bit on uh, on some of the picks that were made by the two captains. So uh, have at it. Oh, I just I just think this is how they get their bonuses. This is how they get money. Um, we can have the argument that's I'm sure floating around popular media that Joel Embiid get squeezed out from the East. What say you, Marcus Walsh? Yeah, Philadelphia. Oh, thank you. There, there they are. I'll, uh, I'll go over the teams in a second. Philadelphia certainly has had its share of, of interesting, uh, you know, times this year and whatnot. And indeed, he did get squeezed out. The East looks like this with Kevin Durant as. No, I take that back. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo as the captain there in the center of the graphic that we're looking at. Kevin Durant in there. He's a 13-time All-Star. Kyrie Irving, an 8-time All-Star. Jason Tatum, a 4-time All-Star. Donovan Mitchell, who has been absolutely tremendous for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I knew that Cleveland was going to take a, a next step upward. You know, they might get back into the playoffs and become a very dangerous factor out east a lot sooner than people think. Um... Donovan, a four-time All-Star. Giannis, a seven-time All-Star. And, yeah, Joel Embiid and company. Philadelphia's had a really good year, but they've kind of been been snubbed a little bit, and he certainly got snubbed some for sure. On to the West, your captain, a 19-game All-Star, one LeBron James. Uh, Nikola Jokic, a five-time All-Star, is selected as well, as his two-time, as his two-time All-Star, easy for me to say, Zion Williamson, Luka Doncic is a four-time All-Star. He was selected. And then Steph Curry, a nine-time All-Star. So that's a look at the teams. Again, Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James are your captains for the respective teams. They've been doing it how long with the captains picking teams off the top of your head? Oh, I don't know, eight years? That's a guess. All right. That uh, That is... A guess for sure. Um, I'm I'm not sure either, but it's it's been fairly recent. Let's go into the look of the NBA standings. 
shall we? Let's see. NBA. Need to go in via ESPN.com. If I can find it. Dead air. You're, Everybody loves dead air. Uh, you are uh, looking on your laptop. I'll race you to see who can. You beat me. So, courtesy of NBA.com. NBA.com, here are the standings. In the Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat, 53-29, leading the way. The Boston Celtics, 51-31 and in second. The Milwaukee Bucks in third, 51-31. and Oh, by the way, I had Celtics Suns as my finals prediction. The Philadelphia 76ers are tied with Milwaukee at 51-31. and Toronto Raptors at 48 and 34. The Chicago Bulls give it the Bulls 46 and 36. Where did that come from? <laughs> I was trying to do my Bill Murray impression. Okay. It was not very good. I apologize. The <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets at 44 and 38, they're seventh. The Atlanta Hawks 43 and 39 are eighth. Ninth is the Cleveland Cavaliers at 44 and 38. And 10th is the Charlotte Hornets at 43 and 39. Reminder that teams 7 through 10 would be in the play-in scenario in the East and Western Conferences. Again, again, NBA.com. Let's move to the West and do the top 10 in the West. It's the Phoenix Suns, 64 and 18. Wow. The Memphis Grizzlies, led by John Morant, who is turning into one of the best players in the NBA at 56 and 26 the warriors 53 and 29 they are starting to hit on all cylinders and catch fire they're third the dallas mavericks 53 and 30 uh 52 and 30 rather are fourth the utah jazz 49 and 33 are fifth the denver nuggets yet led by uh jokic 48 and 34 minnesota timberwolves at 46 and 36 New Orleans Pelicans 36 and 46, the Los Angeles Clippers at 42 and 40, and the San Antonio Spurs at 34 and 48. That was my best impression of the PA guy in San Antonio, at least back in the day, and that was certainly a lot better than my Bill Murray impression that I just tried to tried to do from Space Jam at the end. Let's go Bulls! <laughs> so there you have it. That's the. Uh, that's the way that things look in the NBA. Remind me again, I took the Suns and the Celtics for my championship. You took the Nuggets and the Bucks. That's right. I had the Bucks last year in there, and, and you're going with Giannis and company and the Nuggets. I got I mean, Phoenix definitely has a chance, and the Celtics, in my opinion, look like the best team out east right now. But your your prediction has a chance to come true, too. I mean, Jokic, wow, outstanding. And and Bucks with Giannis and company, very, very good as well. I believe that's all I had on the docket, unless you want to talk high school hoops real quick, because I tell you what, the, the games that we saw, which will air in about a week or so on WHHI, uh, the games we had at Buford yesterday were just absolutely tremendous. Give a lot of credit to Battery Creek. They played very, very hard and uh, gave us a couple of really good games. 
but just without giving anything away for those of you that will catch the games either on WHHI on either Spectrum or Hargray or on YouTube afterwards, just a little bit too much Bluffton, uh, rather a little bit too much Buford, and just two really incredible games. And when we get the pleasure of calling teams that are really well coached and come out and give it their all, it makes the broadcast even that much better. And it's already very good with uh, you know the production value and the folks that we work with. Thanks so much to everybody. It was just a really fun night last night. Marcus, we got invited to senior night in Beaufort. It was dreamy. I mean, you know, the, every kid on the varsity level got a jersey in that really nice frame. They really know how to respect those athletes and celebrate them. Uh, we got to see a kid who was on the basketball team who got paralyzed and was the kid that got the biggest cheers all night, which means this community is behind him more than, you know, the, the, the ones making the baskets, which is remarkable. Uh, we got to see a kid averaging a double-double who's going to MIT, um, that's worth the watch just because of the spectacle. Um, and then, you know, the girls' games were really competitive. I like this time of year. Great coaching. A lot of fun to be had out there on senior night. We were there for it, baby. And and the games that we had previous with uh, May River taking on Bluffton and – or, uh, yeah, and, and Hilton had taken on Bluffton in back-to-back weeks. We got to see Bluffton a couple of times. Great, great uh, – Big-time accomplishment for Takoya Hayward to score 1,000 points in her career at Bluffton. We're going to see, as long as everything goes to schedule, we're going to see uh, Whale Branch and Bridges Prep. First time heading out to Bridges Prep. be the first time that I've ever seen Whale Branch on the hardwood, and I'm sure the case with you as well. But do you remember? I, I, I know I'm, I'm picking at straws here. What was the game that you and Bob Stevens did years ago? I, I had a Buford game with Bob that was my first call ever. That was super fun. I've seen Whale Branch in the hardwood as an official. I mean, I, okay. back when Link Lyles was their head basketball coach, I called them versus the Jaguars in a game that, in my opinion, is one of the most high-end games I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that was an above-the-rim game that was remarkably high talent. Um, but, but, yeah, no, I, I, I think that it's a basketball town, and these are smaller schools, so you'll, you're gonna, you know, we might – the unique opportunity to see some players that otherwise aren't going to be out there on the, you know, on the tape. And, um, you know, like B.A., for example, we don't have them on this year, but they got that f- now sophomore who's a seven-footer. Um, you, you never know what you're going to walk into in a high school gym, and I can't wait to go for the first time ever to check out the culture at Bridges Prep. For sure. You've got the Whale Branch Warriors and the Bridges Prep Buccaneers. So we're going to see the Buccaneers and Warriors, and then – uh, and that will be a game that will be filmed and take place on February 8th. And then just two nights later, on February 10th, we will see a great rivalry. To, to me, it's one of the best rivalries in basketball in this area. Skiza, SCHSL, you name it, it's up there. We're going to see the Hilton Head Prep Dolphins host... And it's, it's always great being at Bacala Gymnasium, Coach Basirico Court. They're going to host the Hilton Head Christian Academy Eagles. Get to see Jason Grunkmeyer and, uh, and company in that matchup. Eric Matheson is the uh, AD over at Hilton Head Prep, taken over for Rich Basirico a few years ago, and uh, or a couple of years ago. And so that's always a great matchup. I've called several of those games already, a uh, couple with you and then a couple – with Chris Tremblay, a couple solo, seen, seen a lot from both the guys and the girls in that rivalry. 
So looking forward to those matchups. Plenty of games still to air and re-air as time continues on WHHI Sports TV on either Hargrave, Spectrum, or check them out on YouTube as well. It's been a fun season, and and last night, last night honestly is going to be hard to top. Last night was just really, really special. Did we mention it was senior night? It, <laughs> it was an atmosphere you can't replicate, Marcus. I'm glad we got to share it. Dreamy. And welcome back to Buford High School Reggie. Jo- I should say Buford High School girls basketball. Reggie Jones. He, he told me, he said, man, I, I, had, I had to ask him pregame. And I just found out that he was back coaching the girls uh, the other day. And I had to ask him, I said, did you miss it? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I missed it, I missed it a ton. It's one of the main reasons why I'm back. And um, to have him back, and he's just a super nice guy. Thanks to him, to Carla Shelton, Link Lyles, Jeremy Huff, uh, Coach uh, Herbert Glaze, tremendous, tremendous folks uh, over there at Beaufort High School. Always great to be at Kirkland Court, and the crowd was absolutely exceptional. Unfortunately, we didn't have a chance to see Jimmy Searson, but we're going to make that happen here soon, Jimmy. Um, He is the super fan of Beaufort High School sports. It's. I covered Buford News for five years. It's not difficult to get me a hard sell on uh, how the Buford sports scene is special and cool and really um, more than about the sport. It really is a community up there. Anytime you get to get welcomed into it, it's like a big hug. I love getting up there. The Eagle Walk for football season. We do the Eagle Walk. It's a very special painted green walkway that Marcus and I park in terrible spots and walk every time we do a game. Um and then again, the atmosphere in the basketball court is nothing like it. It was senior night. We had these nice folks gathered up behind us, behind where we're broadcasting at the booth, um, because there was no other space, and they wanted to be on the Buford side. It was the home team. And, and they were just the most generous folks having us in their house, man, the Eagles' nest. Nothing like it. Shout out certainly to Larry Jackamont, not only for the, tune, uh, for the voiceovers that you hear on the Marcus Wall Show, but also for the stats and info and everything else that he provides for football and basketball on WHHI Sports TV, and shout out certainly to you, my friend. Uh, great night last night, and to Maria Soden, who filled in for Jeremy Pope and did a great job uh, directing us all the way, and uh, it was a special night for sure. So plenty of basketball yet to be had in the next few weeks, and we'll have it for you only on WHHI Sports TV. That'll do it for this segment. Also want to give a shout out quickly to one Tyler Brown, TBMM. Productions, Tyler Brown Multimedia, and uh, goes by Low Country as well. He's going to give you the tunes as he has throughout the show and will continue to. We're going to hear something from him here in just a second. This segment is wrapped up. When we come back, we're talking Major League Baseball and a bit more on the docket as we continue with the show. We've also got our thoughts on the national championship game, little review of the college football playoff, and much more. It's all straight ahead on the Marcus Wall Show as we return after these messages. Hang on, everybody. Recently, the NFHS partnered with Crisis Text Line to encourage mental health support for teens across the country. While we know participation in activity programs is beneficial to mental health, Sometimes young people need another outlet. 
particularly at this time of year. At any time of the day, students in need can text the keyword SHIELD to 741-741 to receive help. The goal is to provide all teens with text-based mental health support so they never feel alone. We are thankful to be involved in the greatest programs in the world, education-based high school athletics and performing arts. We want to wish everyone a joyous holiday season, but during these celebratory times, let's be sure to take care of each other. Welcome back into the Marcus Walsh Show. And we are about ready to start this next segment. We actually put the uh, Major League, or rather the NBA, into the last segment. So that's one less thing that we'll have to mention. And we talked college. We talked a little bit of high school, giving some impressions. So we've got Major League Baseball and the National Championship kind of review and review of college football to go yet. Um What's your favorite? I I mentioned a little bit of uh, you know what I got at B Dubs last night when we went there after the games. What's your favorite thing to get at BW Threes? I was surprised when you told me this. Oh, I don't remember what I told you. I got a cider. It was delicious. Anytime there's a good tap and there's nice taps there, I like a nice cider. I'm Irish. It's what we do. You you said that you're a big fan of the burger. Oh, you asked me if I get the chicken wings there, which I don't, which is surprising because it's a chicken wing place. It's what they're known for. Yeah. No, sometimes they'll give you a big fat, you know. A unique palate burger, and that's what I like about them. A burger with chicken wings on it, not at BW3, oh, by the way. Uh, BW3, BW3s, oh, by the way, I apologize. I know how to say BW3s, but it's street meat, oh, by the way. I think it was called the Prometheus Burger, the burger that, that you got several years back that had chicken wings on it, and I looked at you like you had two heads. So B-Dubs used to have this thing called a brisket burger, where you could oh, get a well, it's a burger with brisket on top. It's double meat. Oh, so yeah, you can understand why I I love a good wing. But if I'm at a wings place that has burgers like that, come on, that sounds really good. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of the boneless wings, honey barbecue or sweet barbecue does not matter. Super super good, and it was a a fun hang last night for sure. The MLB power rankings. For 2023, courtesy of Allison Footer of MLB.com. It's the New Year Power Rankings, and they look like this with the Houston Astros number one. Oh, by the way, I think that's a good suitor if anybody was going to go after Trevor Bauer. I think that's a very good option because... This just in... Justin Verlander is now a New York Met. And tell you what, the Mets have a heck of a rotation going there. Um, that could be a good suitor for, for Trevor Bauer. I'd like to think the fans would boycott, but they won't. Um, no comment. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. We'll, we'll see if Bauer gets picked up by anybody. Houston would be a very good destination. The New York Mets at number two. They won 101 games a year ago. Again, I mentioned their their offense uh, or their their pitching staff. Their offense is legit, and they've they've made some moves. They look obviously quite good 
And tell you what, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. The Atlanta Braves, 101 wins a year ago. They added Sean Murphy. We'll see if Albies and Acuna can get back to form. And they're going to be really interesting. I think the team to actually, as of now, and I won't make my picks uh, until later on, once spring training's about over, taking injuries and everything into consideration. But I think the San Diego Padres, a.k.a. the San Diego Fathers, have a very good chance to win the National League West, maybe even make the World Series. Who knows? They won 89 games a year ago. Xander Bogarts, sorry, Kev, leaving Boston, heading to San Diego, really, really good. And then you've got the Yankees at five. Carlos Rodon is is there. I think, in my opinion, they just might be the favorite to represent the American League in the World Series. Yeah, and don't cry for me, Argentina. I'm okay with Xander getting overpaid. I think that, yeah, the, the San Diego Fathers think they're in it because they're spending like drunken sailors. Uh, the Yankees are good. It's annoying. Let's go. You have definitely turned this thing into a musical with going back-to-back. Back. First, the Don't Cry For Me Argentina. Do you? Uh, pardon me, my nose just hit the microphone. Uh, <coughs> pardon me, I just coughed. Do you know the? Do you know the next line? Don't cry for me, Argentina. My name is Madonna. I made a lot of money doing this. No, the, the truth is I never left you, yeah? That would be absolutely correct. You are you're very, very good. And then, uh, what was the other? Oh, what shall we do with a drunken sailor? Yeah. <laughs> going, going into that one as well, yeah. Bring the, bring the steins and everything what else. What should we do with, with a drunken, drunken sailor? sailor? <laughs> what should we do with a drunken sailor? What should we do with a drunken sailor? Early in the morning, I yep. think are the words. That's a tough one. Very repetitive. Sorry, Mary, if I got that wrong. Shout out to, to Mary Woodman C. Green, the maestro of the Mary Green Corral, of which I sing in on Mondays. Um, so I, I tell you what, that that was fun. Yeah. Way, way to go. You've got your musical knowledge. And, and musical knowledge meaning musicals as in Oklahoma, all of that, not just musical as in music in, in general. Moving on. The Philadelphia Phillies are ranked sixth in the field of 30. They won 87 games a year ago. They are improving, and they have a chance. That that NL East is loaded with those top three teams of Atlanta, New York, Philadelphia, Schneikies. The Los Angeles Dodgers, I think, are taking a step back, but they won 151 games out of 162 a year ago. I think they're definitely taking a step back. Uh, what what are you pointing at, Kev? That, that's an insane number that would never happen. Well, yeah, ab- absolutely. They I won mean, 111 games. That's what I said. I thought I heard you say they won 150 games and lost 11. If I'm interrupting you for no reason, forgive me. That's okay. No, no, I said they won 111 out of 162 is what I said. I thought I heard a crazy thing. Thanks for getting me back on board the ship. Oh, Captain, my captain. It's my job. It's what I do. Uh, the, the Seattle Mariners at 90 and 72 a year ago, there's a loaded AL West as well with Texas, Houston, Seattle. Um, you mentioned to me earlier and asked me if I thought that Texas, how well they were going to do. I don't know if they have enough. They're at 68 and 94 a year ago, but they've done a lot this year already spending money, making moves. Um, I don't know if they have enough to overtake Houston. They're definitely going to be in the running, though. 
and and they're going to be very much improved. They may have a chance to be the most improved team, honestly. They have a chance to be really good. Uh, the Blue Jays at 92 and 70 a year ago, they obviously are terrific. The Rays 86 and 76 a year ago. The Cardinals 83 and uh, rather 93 and 69. I think taking a a little bit of a step back, those three teams ever so slightly. Then at 12, you've got the Cleveland Guardians, 92 and 70. They've made a couple of moves. Getting Zunino was big, certainly. Um, they're staying pat, the majority. And they had a lot of guys that obviously had great seasons coming out of, you know, being rookies and whatnot. I think of Stephen Kwan. I think of Oscar Gonzalez, a.k.a. SpongeBob SquarePants. Bunch of other really good guys. Obviously, a healthy Terry Francona is huge. Running the ship. Chris Antonetti, tremendous. Um, they're going to be in the thick of it. I don't know how far they're going to get, but I think they will win the division. How far they get in the playoffs, I'll, I'll know closer to the regular season for sure. I mentioned the Rangers. I think they have a chance to be very much improved. I think the Milwaukee Brewers have a chance to win the NL Central. They're 14th at 86-76. and 76. The Baltimore Orioles won 83 games a year ago. They were absolutely terrific um, in terms of what they have done in the past. Really good year. Look out for them to be, you know, battling, fighting, and clawing their way towards the top of that division in the AL East. The Chicago White Sox, 81-81, and 81, a year of implosion. You talk about some of the teams that have a chance to do some big things going up. The White Sox just plummeted. They had the 500 record, and it doesn't look like they're going anywhere real fast. The Los Angeles Angels. Ugh. This team reminds me a lot of, I mentioned them back in the football segment, they remind me a lot of the Dallas Cowboys. On paper, and there's a certain reason why we say on paper, they should be a lot better than they really are. 73 and 89 a year ago, and they always crumble in the big moments. They've had Mike Trout forever, and he's just been blood, sweat, and tears to that organization. They can't really get anything around him, unfortunately, and they just struggle. It's it's a shame for, for Angel fans, for sure, I'm, I'm sure, and it's, it's just tough. They're going to be, I think, towards the bottom of that division in the AL West, if I had to guess. The Minnesota Twins, another just talk about a tough season last year, but they've made some moves so far this year. They're going to be in the mix with Cleveland and Chicago. Uh, I think you, it's pretty safe to say that Detroit and Kansas City are going to be the two bottom teams in the AL Central. Detroit last year, or rather Minnesota last year, 78-84. and 84. The Chicago Cubs, they have fallen on hard times. They went 74-88 and 88 a year ago. And it looks like they're going to be kind of middle of the pack, I think, in the division of the NL Central. I look for the Cincinnati Reds. Last year, I picked the Cincinnati Reds to finish in second place. What on earth was I thinking? Tell you what, it was uh, it was tough going for Cincinnati, but I think Chicago will definitely be a little bit more improved. Middle of the pack. Same thing with the Giants. 81-81 and 81 a year ago, middle of the pack. D-backs, 74-88. and 88. I think they'll be middle of the pack. The Marlins have a chance to be improved, in my opinion, at 69-93. and 93. We'll get the details, but there was just a trade about a week ago made. We don't have to get them just yet. Um, we'll finish these rankings first, if you don't mind, Kev. 
but there was a huge trade that was made just, uh, I think, about a week or so ago between the Marlins and the Twins. Uh, Marlins, 69-93. We'll see what they have in store this year. Your Red Sox, 78-84. and What do you think about your Red Sox heading into the 2023 season? I'm kind of an outlier amongst Red Sox fans. Heim Bloom is our general manager, and I literally love everything he's doing. I wanted veteran pitching. We have veteran pitching. We got James Paxson. He's cheap. Uh, we picked up your boy Corey Kluba. Remember him? Um, I, I think we have a chance, if we can keep these guys healthy, to, to be serious. Um, we didn't overpay for middle infielders besides the mistake of Trevor Story, which is just fine. Trevor might come back. In the meantime, we made a trade with Kansas City to get a really high-value 27-year-old in, you know. I believe it was Alberto Mondesi, wasn't it? Alberto, I'm gonna learn how to say it right, but yeah, and I mean, a shortstop prospect is playing behind Bobby Witt, fine. And again, we're not necessarily overpaying. Kike Hernandez will probably go to center. Duval's a decent enough bat at seven million. I'm just loving the value of the, the guys we're paying. We're not overpaying for um, you know veterans down the road. And my Red Sox friends never remember the extra money that we're still paying people. I mean, we just got off like the Rusny Castillo contract. We have Pedroia on dead, you know, a bunch of money every year. So we, we we're finally getting free of some of these guys. David Price was a lousy contract. Um, we're we're getting over these guys, and we're gonna start paying some stars. But in the meantime, I like the guys we're paying. We got some nice veterans. It's just what I wanted to see. Baseball. Let's go. Spring training. Everyone's alive. I got hope for my middling team. As you mentioned a little bit about what has transpired with the Red Sox, I have to go back, and I'm, I mentioned the young kids and all the stuff that has been done that the Guardians have done. Tom Hamilton said it best, and I'll say it in his impression because it's what I do, and impression is, is the The fans best, demand it. The best form of flattery. The fans want more. And, and I, I have certainly... Uh, Give me Hammy! I've certainly met... I, I'll get to him. Ah. I've, I've met Hammy uh, back in 2006. I had a chance to meet him. Super, super nice guy. What you see is what you get with one Tom Hamilton. But he was quoted as saying, The best day of the Cleveland Guardians season a year ago happened as they were leaving spring training. Jose Ramirez was heading out of the Cleveland Guardian clubhouse there in Goodyear, Arizona. And the only question was, what plane was he going to get on? Was he going to get on a plane that sent him either to San Diego to play with the Padres or possibly Toronto to play with the Blue Jays? Or was he going to get on the Guardians plane and head back with the rest of the team, management, and everybody else and head back to Cleveland and play for the Cleveland Guardians? And he told his agent... Up until the 11th hour, and it may have been the last minute at the 11th hour, this is where I want to be. Cleveland is where I want to be. Cleveland is where I want to play. I want to stay in Cleveland. And by George, he said, okay, they got the deal done. Jose Ramirez is your Cleveland Guardian third baseman for the better part of the next now six years, they signed the deal, and that was the biggest move made and the best day of the season for the Cleveland Guardians. Getting Jose Ramirez to stay long-term in Cleveland and likely retire a Cleveland Guardian was absolutely incredible, and it was a great day for this franchise. 
I am back to myself now, and I will let you know that those words were not verbatim of what Tom Hamilton said, but it was definitely a gist of what Tom Hamilton said. Again, my impression of him, and I've, I've heard that it's quite good. I've been able to do my hammy impression since probably age uh, 9 or 10, probably. It's been a, been a long time. I've been, I've been, well, back in the day, I drove my parents nuts with it, but they, they really appreciate it now. <laughs> Difference being that I'm a 35, almost 35 year old guy. I knew what I was doing. I don't want to grow up to you. Um, but I, I do, that kid left money on the table on that deal. I mean, he's like, you know, one of the great, he had a three for three season for you guys and they signed that contract. Uh, you guys got to build a statue for him. He's your next Tommy. I mean, he's like a Lofton. He's, he's a next level Cleveland, the town guy. Manny Ramirez, in, in terms of productivity as well, Manny Ramirez, Albert Bell, you think of all those guys, Omar Vizquel, he's one of them. He's he's a Cleveland baseball legend, um, and certainly we've had a lot of them pre, uh, pre those guys of the 90s. Definitely a Cleveland baseball legend. Was talking about the Cubs, the Giants, 81 and 81 a year ago. Diamond at probably middle of the pack in the uh, AL West. Diamondback, uh, NL West, I beg your pardon. The Diamondbacks in the NL West, towards the bottom, 74 and 88. I mentioned the Marlins. I mentioned the Red Sox. I went I went back a f- couple of teams. We, we talked about your Red Sox. I think the Red Sox have a chance to be, you know, middle of the pack. I said it before. I will again. I really like the Yankees. Yeah. Red Sox could surprise some teams, though, but Baltimore is getting better. Toronto's right there as well. Um the Rays have it's it's kind of an interesting division. Uh, the Royals and Tigers, sixty-five and ninety-seven and sixty-six and ninety-six respectively. Their teams twenty-six and twenty-seven. They'll definitely be at the bottom of the barrel. The Pittsburgh Pirates, sixty-two and one hundred, bottom of the barrel in the NL Central. The Washington Nationals, by far the worst team in baseball. 55 and 107 a year ago, and they're probably going to be that, if not maybe a touch better. They could even be a touch worse. They are going to have a long, long season. Sorry, Nationals fans, and I know a couple of them around this area. And then the 30th team on the power rankings, courtesy of MLB.com and Allison Footer, are the Oakland Athletics who I've said before, and I will again, play in the worst stadium in the history of Major League Baseball. Um, and it's going to be a long year for uh, for Oakland A's fans. Again, we'll certainly have our uh, our thoughts on, you know, World Series predictions and whatnot as it gets much closer. We're getting about three weeks to a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting-ish. Um the Marlins on Friday, thank you for getting this up, Kev. Uh, this courtesy of MLB.com and Paige Leckie. I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing that right. The Miami Marlins on Friday acquired reigning, and this being last week, not yesterday, acquired reigning American League batting champion and all-star infielder Luis Arraiz from the Minnesota Twins. This was the move for right-hander Pablo Lopez and a couple of prospects. Infielder Jose Salas, who's number five in the Marlins system, and outfielder Byron Chirico. 
the 25-year-old rise who is under the team contra- uh, the team control, not the ca- not the team contract, but the team control through 2025 has a 314 average through 389 career games. In 2022, he drew a career-high 50 walks to lead the Twins while striking out just 43 times. Wow. Making him the only Major League Baseball player to strike out fewer than 50 times in at least 500 plate appearances. Holy smokes. Wow. And I've seen this guy play a ton, being that he played for a long time with Minnesota. He's a player, but apparently Pablo Lopez... And, and my brother is so much more in tune to the minor leagues and whatnot. He definitely has that GM kind of mind looking at the whole picture. Um, he, he told me that this Pablo Lopez and Jose Salas, Brian Chirico, uh, Byron Chirico, rather, they're really good, and it's actually Byron Chirico. There's no C at the end. My apologies there. They're really good. And uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Luis Arise is a doggone good player. Pablo Lopez could be what the Twins need because they need one thing that they definitely need is pitching, pitching, and more pitching. Um, it really has kind of bit them and bit them pretty good over the last couple of years, especially against Cleveland. A lot of big moves certainly have been made. Is there any move that you think will uh, possibly get made in the next couple of weeks leading into spring training. It seems like the majority of the big stuff is finished. Yeah, I agree. How terrible will it get in Los Angeles? Otani, do you think they'll have a, uh, a play on him before the contract comes up? That's a really good question because a lot of people think, you know, or thought at one time, certainly of Mike Trout being the face of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He's still a doggone good player and a big part of what they do. But I honestly think of Shohei Otani as the face of that franchise and one of the faces of Major League Baseball. I mean, this guy's compared to Babe Ruth, for crying out loud, with his ability to hit, his ability to pitch. I mean, he can do it all practically, and he can do both very well. I think, what's the info on his contract, if, if you don't mind divulging, if, if you happen to know, or we can look it up, because that's what technologies for and we have the ability to use said technology courtesy of google thank you google (laughs) we're having fun here on the marcus walsh show i like the fact that google is in so many different uh colors when you look it up there, Shohei Otani's contract details a one-year deal for $30 million, including a $30 million guaranteed and an annual average salary of $30 million. Wow. That's uh, that's something else. So he's got a one-year deal. Um, I think a lot of it will really depend based off what I had just read as the Angels, courtesy of BleacherReport.com, project Shohei Otani to earn over $500 million on a new contract and go over top of Mike Trout. John Heyman of the New York Post spoke to multiple agents who speculated that the Los Angeles Angels two-way phenom Shohei Otani will earn a contract that exceeds his teammate Mike Trout's 12-year, 
$426.5 million deal when he becomes a free agent in 2023. One agent even predicted that Shohei Otani would be given the first $500 million contract in MLB history. Heyman also noted that Otani will indeed be seeking over $500 million on his next contract as the only player in the majors who dominates both as a pitcher and a hitter. A pitcher and a hitter, Otani undoubtedly deserves a historic deal. Well, based off reading that, and again, this is courtesy of BleacherReport.com and reporter Doric Sam from December 22nd, 2022, so just before Christmas, based off reading that, no, I don't think he's staying in L.A. with the Angels because I don't think they're going to give him that money. I think of the Dodgers. I, I think of the Yankees. I think of the Padres. I maybe I think of you know a couple other teams maybe that, well the Mets are already loaded with certainly having uh, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer the two teammates back together from their days in Detroit. Um, based off reading that, my initial gut and brain reaction is no, he's not going to stay in Anaheim. The only other two homes I would think of if he was going to get moved this season would be going. I mean, he's not going to get traded in City to the to the Dodgers, who definitely want him. I think he's going to go to the Dodgers' side of, you know, National League. I think he's going to go to San Francisco and be their new treat. How do you like them apples? What do you think? That's where I think he's going. The San Francisco Giants, well, he would definitely be the face of the franchise there, much like in uh, in Anaheim. And he could possibly, I'm sorry, I hit the microphone with my nose again. (coughs) (coughs) He could possibly end up doing some things there with with the Giants. It's an interesting pick, for sure. Um, Want to talk briefly about C.J. Stroud leaving Ohio State and heading for the NFL draft. He's projected to be second taken by the Houston Texans. The Chicago Bears, I think, are projected to possibly take a lineman at first. And I'm not really surprised that this happened. I'm surprised that it took as long as it did for this to happen. But I'm not surprised that he's making the move. He had a very, very solid career um, at Ohio State with the fact that he didn't beat Michigan. He struggled in some of the big games. But I tell you what, that game against Georgia, which really was the national championship, he was terrific. Uh, C.J. Stroud is projected to go third to the Las Vegas Raiders in a trade from Arizona, courtesy of Ryan Wilson uh, from CBSSports.com. And both Ryan Wilson and Chris Trapasso posted these on Twitter. And Chris Trapasso has him going number one to the Las Vegas Raiders. So he has the Raiders trading up with the Chicago Bears. And then Ryan Wilson has the Raiders trading up with the Arizona Cardinals. So both guys have C.J. Stroud going out west to Vegas and going to Allegiant Stadium. And that would be interesting because... 
He ended up playing indoors, not in Vegas, but in Glendale against the uh, Georgia Bulldogs. And there's something about playing in the indoor environment with the turf and whatnot that would be really interesting. That's that's an interesting choice. But I really think... Hmm. I, I think... I think that's an interesting choice, and my gut reaction is that he will either be in Vegas or in Houston. Bryce Young from Alabama, again, another dome team in the Houston Texans, is projected from Tris, uh, from Chris Trapasso to go to Houston, and Ryan Wilson has Bryce Young going number one overall to Houston. So Will Anderson is the guy that... Uh, Wilson has going to the Chicago Bears, picking second. And the Chicago Bears all the way down to seventh, courtesy of Tris of Chris Trapasso. Boy, I'm struggling with, with my tongue today. Taking Trenton Simpson out of Clemson. Guy I haven't heard of. He's a linebacker. Um, so there's still time, obviously. But just to get a gist of where some of these guys are going, Will Levis is another big one. Uh, both guys have him going to Kentucky and being take uh, being taken fourth overall. Tell you what, Will Levis is a doggone good quarterback, too. I had Kentucky preseason taking on Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. That pick didn't go too well on, on either end. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see how things matriculate as we continue heading towards the draft. Um the college football playoff, you had the semifinals that were both really pretty doggone good games, especially that Ohio State-Georgia game. That really was the national championship. You give TCU a lot of credit for hanging around with Michigan and then overtaking them. That was back and forth. So many great bowl games throughout the season. But the Georgia Bulldogs, my goodness, they absolutely steamrolled the TCU Horned Frogs, it was 38-7 to at halftime. And they won 63-7. to Absolutely annihilated TCU. I think back to when, I believe it was the Miami Dolphins took on the Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe in the playoffs years ago, with that final score of 63-7. to And the Georgia Bulldogs are going to be good. They're going to lose Stetson Bennett, I believe. But they're going to be good for quite some time. Kirby Smart uh, learning well from one Nick Saban and doing a great job with it. It's way too early to predict. But I think as of the moment, if I had to pick a four-team playoff for next year, I would definitely have Georgia in the mix again. Um, a team that I was really impressed with this year, and again, I'll know a lot more in the coming weeks when we find out who gets in as the freshman class and whatnot and how these teams fill out. But a team that I was really, really impressed with and being a Midwesterner and now a, a guy that lives in ACC slash SEC country, it, it pains me to say this in a way, but just on the college football landscape, the University of Southern Cal, I think, has a chance to get to the college football playoff next year. I mean, 
I think they could have done it this year. And if they would have beaten Utah, I think they would have done it. Um, You look at Ohio State, I think they definitely have a chance as well. And um, maybe Clemson, maybe somebody from the Big 12. Uh, It's going to be really interesting. Maybe Michigan. A lot of uh, things yet to be decided, but it's it's going to be interesting. I, I think the team that I'm actually the most confident in at the moment, believe it or not, and I say this with the fact that Ohio State has had some issues, obviously C.J. Stroud leaving, I think the team that I'm most confident in to make the 14 playoff next year is USC. I th- Alabama has something to say about it, too. Um, The recruiting rankings for the 2022 football look like this, with Texas A&M number one, Alabama two, Georgia three, Ohio State four, Texas five. Texas had some big wins. Penn State six, Notre Dame seven, Oklahoma eight, Michigan nine, Clemson ten, North Carolina eleven, LSU 12, Oregon 13, Kentucky 14, Missouri 15, Miami 16, Tennessee 17, Florida 18, Stanford 19, Florida State 20, Auburn 21, Arizona 22, Michigan State 23, South Carolina 24, Indiana 25. How many of these teams are there? 24-7 sports. (laughs) Um... 247sports.com is the uh, is the site for sure. Your your thoughts on just how the the college football playoff ended up and maybe some some thoughts on teams to look out for next year. Uh, the transfer portal definitely impacts the the D1 schools. Um, Alabama just created an NIL addition to their campus offering where you can I don't think this is the real appeal but you can basically go into a media center as a D1 athlete and learn how, you know, you can basically market yourself. Essentially they're acting as an agent um, to, to basically sell your name. And it's, it's more than just kids getting car commercials on the local TV. It is that influencer stuff. And so this is new money and new marketing and um, chase that money kids. Hey, why not? Absolutely. Go, go for it. Strike it rich, make it big. Um, all of that <laughs> for sure. Uh, we, we talked, certainly, the high school kind of local view for uh, for stuff that we've seen with WHHI. We really have hit just about everything. Is there anything else that you would like to add to, uh, to the docket, to the show? We talked less about food. I think it's because of how well-fed we were to start the broadcast. Oh, boy, that was a good chili. It certainly was. Thanks, Mom. And I uh, want to thank as well... The while, while we're talking about food, I want to thank the food vendors, if you will, the restaurants that have provided food for us for the uh, the basketball game so far this year. We have had uh, yesterday, of course, being that we were in Beaufort, we we went with pizza and we got pizza from none other than Upper Crust, and it was really good, pepperoni and cheese, and uh, well well done, Upper Crust. You always deliver and. And do a great job. Last week, 
we went back to Fat Babies, and Fat Babies always does a great job. I'm, I'm thinking, and we'll discuss, but I'm thinking we may do that again for the Hilton Head prep games um, that we'll see against Hilton Head Christian Academy, being that they're on the south end just minutes away from Hilton Head prep. Um, the sausage guy, awesome, outstanding. You got an Italian sandwich, though. The Italian sub, which looked off the hook. What was on that thing? I, I just got, you know, the sausage, peppers, and onions. Your thing was absolutely stacked. It's your standard Italian sandwich. It was You compare it to a BMT from Subway. But uh, I do believe I had some ham, some pastrami, and some salami in some combination. They had the shredded lettuce. I had the, you know, a little bit of pickle. They did it just the way I like it. Mmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Fat babies. Big fan. As I like to say, it was stacked, packed, and ready for action. It was just off the hook looking. Um, and then week or the first game that we had between uh, Bluffton and Hilton Head. I'm trying to think of where we got food from there. We did do pizza. I believe it was New York City. We were going to go Giuseppe's. But we decided to go with New York City pizza instead. And New York City pizza is always terrific as well. I went with the meat lovers. Jeremy also got the uh, the very good just traditional pepperoni. But I went meat lovers because it's got sausage and ham and bacon and pepperoni on it. I mean, what's not to love, honestly? Um, super good. I want to thank Jeremy Pope, Maria Soden, Larry Jackamont, yourself as well. Um, Lisa Richardson helping out. Uh, you know, behind the scenes making everything work. And she actually, I forgot to mention this on the air last night, but she actually caught a couple of games herself yesterday. She was at the Hilton Head Christian Academy, John Paul II doubleheader, just catching those out as a fan. And certainly with the work that she does with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, I'm sure she had something to do certainly with that as well. So great that she was able to get out some games, and we certainly thank her for everything that she's done. I have a feeling we'll see her when we have the Hilton Head Prep, Hilton Head Christian Academy games at Prep here in uh, just a couple of weeks. Again, we've got Whale Branch and Bridges Prep before that on February 8th, and then the HHCA, HHP games on February 10th. So you'll get to see a lot more basketball from now until then, the next week and a half. And for Tyler Brown, for Larry Jackamot, for my partner Kevin Libby, I'm Marcus Welsh. This is a wrap. Actually, not yet. There's one thing that I wanted to mention. A lot of you might want to know about the title of the show. And I mentioned it briefly in the basketball games that we had yesterday with the dip to the hip and the glide to the stride. Certainly want to give a shout-out to the Zapek family and our good buddy and uh, former colleague Chuck Zapek, who called football with yours truly and Bob Stevens and Chris Tremblay for years. Uh, Dale Planica as well on WHHI Sports TV. Had several play-by-play men. I was, you know, blessed and fortunate and lucky to be one of them. But he was definitely the constant all those years calling games with all four of us and uh, did a great job and a one-of-a-kind color commentator, a former player. I talked about Billy Packer and just the consistency and – Billy Packer had some controversy throughout his career. We we all do. But just the consistency as a former player, and he never coached, but he was a former player at Wake Forest. That 
is Chuck Zapek as well to a T, although he did play in the pros, played for Miami, played for Pittsburgh, played for Kansas City, played for Dallas, I believe all of those teams. Oh, by the way, he was coached by Joe Paterno at Penn State in college. Just a solid guy, super nice guy as well, and a one-of-a-kind, very, very... uh, very proud, but but certainly very colorful color analyst, and he just loved the physical games that we would typically see between teams like Hilton Head Prep and Thomas Hayward Academy, and he would have really enjoyed last night on the hardwood. I don't know if he was that big of a high school basketball guy, but he would have enjoyed those ball games because they definitely were physical, both of them. So want to give a shout out to Chuck Zapek. I got to meet his daughter Emily. Uh, not quite a year ago, but about a year ago at the beach in tennis, super, super nice young lady. And, um, so wanted to do a little ode for Chuck for sure. And, uh, he was definitely one of a kind as, as you know, as well, Kev. So this is Chuck's call. So when we get a replay going in the football product about a decade ago, Chuck would describe the exceptional plays. He was the color guy. So the amazing Bob, the intrepid Bob Stevens from, uh, you know, Sports Center fame is making your play-by-play the way Marcus does, and then this guy who played for Penn State football and I believe won a championship three out of his four years there, playing both ways, which means he was a middle linebacker and offensive lineman, absolutely understood gap play, would explain how these high school kids were working off, you know, really working out there, really, really were, and brought a lot of love and energy and treated us exceptionally well. And yeah, what we do is in homage to the folks who did it before us, uh, Big Daddy Z, a pro. That's for sure. Chuck, this episode is, you know, for sure partially for you. Uh, we miss you, pal, and uh, hope everything certainly is going well. All, all the best to Emily and, and the fam as well. The Zapek family for sure. One of a kind. For Kevin Libby, for Larry Jackamot, for Tyler Brown, TBMM Productions, I'm Marcus Walsh. That is officially a wrap on this edition of the Marcus Walsh Show. We'll see you again soon. We'll do it again as well as we talk sports, life, and a little bit of everything else in this round ball we call Earth. Until then, so long, everybody. butter jelly sandwich is a sandwich a hot dog is not a sandwich in my opinion it is a meat inside of a bun but it does not qualify as a sandwich it's its own thing its own category